Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silver, and today's guest is Beth Fisher. Beth has a bachelor's degree in education and a master's degree in counseling. She spent 15 years in education and 13 years running her own business. None of that could have prepared her for the bombshell discovery of her husband's secret life, though. That bombshell left Beth stuck in betrayal depression for over two years. She was unable to see past her pain, nor could she envision any sort of a happy future. On one particularly low day, she had a thought. If something happened to her, this was how her daughters would remember her. That thought is what she needed to break out of her trauma cycle. Not only did she break out, but she also created an amazing life for herself while reconciling wholly with her husband. Together, they built a more solid marriage than they had ever had before. Today, Beth helps other couples do the same. It's a common response to experience betrayal and decide as a couple to go to marriage counseling. Well, today, I've brought on one of our most popular practitioners within the PBT Institute, who's going to be talking all about why marriage counseling doesn't work. Yes, it may be popular, but you're about to find out why it actually contributes to the problem and keeps you tragically stuck. Here's practitioner Beth. Okay, everybody, we have one of our much-loved certified PBT practitioners with us today, and that is practitioner Beth. She is going to be talking about why marriage counseling doesn't work after betrayal, and I can't wait to have her share her genius with you because I say this all the time, and you will hear exactly why this is the case, and I love that she is confirming a message that I say all the time. So welcome, Beth. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. It's so great to be here. And yes, let's share this message. It is so important. So tell us, let's just start off with, this is a very interesting topic because people think, and I did the research on it, what works and what doesn't work. And the three things that I believe people think works is you go to some sort of support group and here's the truth. Once you start growing, you no longer belong. So you better be really certain you're with the right group. The second thing is we numb, avoid, and distract ourselves. So we may run to the doctor who puts us on a mood stabilizer, anti-anxiety medication. We do anything to numb, avoid, distract. We use food, work, TV, alcohol, right? That doesn't work. And the other thing is we think, oh, I'll go to therapy. And anybody who knows the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough, if anything is going to have you stuck like crazy glue to stage three, it's going over your story endlessly without a strategic plan to move forward. So counseling, the most well-meaning counselors, if they're not highly skilled in betrayal, that can keep us stuck as well. But I want to hear from you. What makes you yeah. that counseling is not the way to go after betrayal? You know what? I did the exact same thing, Debbie. You know, you, you find out that there's a betrayal in the marriage. You start Googling it. And the first thing that comes up is marriage counseling. And that's what my husband and I did. And I have to tell you, it was a disaster. We would come out of our marriage counseling sessions angry, fighting, crying, and we didn't talk for two or three days. And I just didn't understand why is this not working? I thought I was crazy. What am I doing wrong that this isn't working? And it wasn't until I got to the other side and looked back. So much of this is hindsight. And I looked back and now I understand completely why it didn't work. We were both, my husband and I were both in a trauma state. We were in survival mode. 
And when you have two people who are living by that fight flight in that trauma response, and you put those two people on a couch and want to have some sort of a logical conversation, it's not going to happen. There is no logic and reasoning when we're functioning in survival mode. So for me, marriage counseling, as wonderful as it is, we have to pay attention to the timing of it. In the early days after a betrayal, or even if it's years later, but both people are still stuck, right? Going to marriage counseling, it's not the right time. Both people need their own individual help. They need different things. The betrayer, I always say the betrayer has to walk, chew gum at the same time, right? The betrayer has to figure out his why or her why. Why did this happen? What was the patterning that led up to the affair? You're not going to do that. That person's not going to do that with their spouse on the couch, right? So they need that own path. Plus, they need a hard and fast lesson on betrayal trauma so that they can learn how to support their spouse. So that's the track of the betrayer, right? The betrayed partner needs healing, needs support, needs to learn to trust herself again. She or he needs her or his own path. You're not going to get either of those needs met in a couple's marriage counseling format. You know, that is so true. And to add to that, as if that weren't enough, what I see so often is that the energy is spent on, I just want us okay. I just want us to be back the way it was. First of all, there's no back to the way it was. That is dead and gone. The other thing is for the betrayed, you don't have the energy. You have such limited energy resources. So to spend them on trying to just get back, you are taking away from the very limited energy resources that you need to heal. So I totally agree. Uh, with what you're saying. Talk to us about why it's so important, the betrayer's why. The betrayer's why is very critical, Debbie. So many people get stuck in the marriage had a problem. And I think that's why people end up in marriage counseling, because they think the marriage had a problem. I look at marriage as just an adjective. It's a descriptive word that describes a relationship between two individuals. Again, two individuals need their own healing journey. The betrayer's why is critical because a couple reasons. One, if the betrayer stays stuck in the marriage was the problem, then the onus is going to be usually the betrayed partner to try to fix things, to try to be different, to be better, to be more sexual or more open or more whatever. So the responsibility for fixing this marriage ends up by default on the betrayed which is not where it should be. So I look at the why, W-H-Y. The why has to be, believe it or not, from the betrayer met the betrayed. That's a real why is the pattern, the life pattern, the thoughts that the betrayer kind of grew up with or the meaning behind relationships or the lack of emotional connection. Things like that is what opened the door for an affair, not the bad marriage. Exactly. And you know, I love that you said that. And also, and we've seen this so many times too, where yes, let's say the focus is on the betrayer and then they have all this past trauma. So then it's almost an excuse. I see this too, 
where it's an excuse where the betrayed now is feeling like, oh, it's their past trauma. So there really are no ramifications to what they've done, really no consequences. And the betrayer is like, listen, this is why I do what I do. And they're stuck. Talk to us about that. Absolutely. And I love the analogy I use when explaining this is the A to Z analogy. And you're so right, Debbie. So many people say this happened to me in childhood, therefore I'm this today. And I call that going from A to Z. And we forget that there's a B through a Y that we need to talk about. So let's say you, you have an event in childhood. It doesn't have to be a major overt trauma. It can be the small little things that added up over time. But those events that happened to us in childhood, what I focus on is how did those events or that events influence you as a human being? How did that event or events shape your thoughts, your beliefs, your meanings about other things? That's the B through Y. And when I'm working with a betrayer, that's what I'm focusing on. We can't just go from, yep, it happened in childhood and that's why I did this. We have to go, okay, it happened in childhood, but how did that shape me? How did that change me? How did that give me my personal view of the world and relationships? Because that's over time, what I always say it morphed and changed over time, but there was something there all along, but we got to do what's in between. We can't just go from A to Z. I, I love that. And by the way, everybody, Beth is one of our most popular practitioners in our rebuild program, which is for the betrayer. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, this is the kind of stuff that she does when she's working with our rebuild members in that program. So, you know, the part that always gets me is yes, there's this whole B to Y. It's not an excuse. It's like you still are responsible for the choices you make. It doesn't matter how much trauma you've had. It means you have a lot to move through. You have a lot to heal from. But there's no excuse. You are still responsible for the choices and the actions that you take. Talk to us about, because we know the damage that betrayal creates physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. I mean, when you look at the stats from the post-betrayal syndrome quiz and you see the physical, mental, and emotional uh, symptoms that people can have for decades after a betrayal. It's just so much to heal from. And that's why it's a different type of trauma. That's why post-betrayal transformation is different than post-traumatic growth because you have to rebuild the self as well. Talk to us about why betrayal trauma is a different type of trauma from your experience. Absolutely. And you know, this was a huge aha moment for me. And I, I wish I could remember exactly when it happened or why, but this is what I tell. And I usually tell this honestly, Debbie, to the betrayers because the betrayed already get this. They just don't have the language for it. But when I'm talking to a betrayer, a lot of them will come to me, Beth, you know what? I've done everything I can. My wife is still mad at me. Fix her. And I'm like, okay, hang on. No, 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 no. It's not quite like that. And then have to explain betrayal trauma. And the reason betrayal trauma is more traumatic than most other traumas out there is because your past changes. When we think about adult traumas. When we're talking about affairs and cheating and things like that, we're talking about an adult betrayal, right? And most other traumas that we experience as an adult, the past didn't change, right? Let's say there's a horrific health diagnosis, maybe a cancer diagnosis, right? From that day forward, every day is going to be different. But every day prior to that day is the exact same. Nothing changed. 
-hmm. We think about the, an unexpected death of a loved one. Every day going forward is going to be different. The past, every day with that person prior didn't change. When we talk about betrayal trauma, we're talking about somebody's past literally changing overnight. What they thought was real is now a lie. They have no concept of time anymore. It's, wait a minute, you did what? Where was I? Wait a minute, that, that was our anniversary and you were texting or calling or whatever it was. So with betrayal trauma, your past changes. And that's brutal to the human mind when your past changes. That's such a great point. And you're so right because you then look at everything and you say, was that a lie? When you said, when we went on that vacation, were you doing something else? When we took that picture together, when we had that meal together, like you look at everything and you question your reality and it shatters, completely shatters our worldview. Everything we've known to be real and true in one earth shattering moment all comes into question. You know, I say that I would, and I've never experienced this, thank goodness, but I imagine other than the loss of a child, betrayal is one of the most painful of the human experiences. It's also the shattering of the self, the rejection, yes. abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. Like you said, when we experience, let's say so the death of someone we love, we don't lose our ability to trust. You know, betrayal brings up all of that. So let's say a couple is trying to rebuild. Tell us some roadblocks that you've seen. Oh boy, the biggest one, and, and I see this all day long. The biggest one is definitions, believe it or not. It's going back to the basics. I re remember so many fights with my husband back in those days where he would get so angry at me. He'd be like, you'll never forgive me. And I would say, and I would get angry back. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm still here. I haven't divorced your bleep. We were defining forgiveness very differently. If I'm working with a couple individually, right, but a husband and a wife, one of the things that I have to do with them is really get down to the nitty gritty of how are you defining? Another big one is the word change. The husbands will say, I've changed. Why can't you see that I've changed? And the wives will be, or again, I know it can go the other way too, but you know, and, and the betrayed partner will be like, you haven't changed. You're still the same old guy. So we have to really look at that word change. Both people are right. The betrayer is saying, I've changed, but he's defining it as, look, I stopped acting out. I've told you the truth. I'm not keeping secrets anymore. So that person, the betrayer, has changed. They're correct. But the betrayed partner is looking at maybe anger and defensiveness and not trusting anymore. So in her, her mind, change is being defined very differently. So that's a huge roadblock. To reconciliation is defining these everyday words that end up causing a lot of fights. Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. And speaking of change, Beth, I remember when you came into PBT and I look at you now and I want to make a really big point of this because there are so many people who truly don't understand that there is a roadmap. It's the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. You move through the stages and you do heal and you do transform, not just heal, you transform and you can transform your relationship too. Can you walk us through just whatever parts you're comfortable sharing, just where you were physically, mentally, emotionally, and where you are now? Because I know this is going to give so much hope 
to that person who's like, I could barely get out of bed. I don't know what she's talking about. Absolutely. You know what? I, I will say I was a hard stage three for three years. I mean, I was stuck and, and I defined stage three for me. It was detective mode. I remember coming in to PBT as a member and wanting to get out of that mode. And that's what I did. It was one of the first things that I really learned that I had to step back. I had to stop. One of the things that the betrayed partner gets stuck doing, and it certainly was my case, was we try to extract the truth. We beg, we cry, we scream, we rage to try to get the truth out of our husbands. Now, my experience was my husband had multiple affairs over pretty much our whole marriage, even though there was a hibernation period is what I call it. But he didn't come out and tell me everything at once. He did what we call trickle truth. So over a three-year period, it went from I had one affair years ago to there was a lot more than that. And it was trickled. So I stayed stuck in detective mode and I stayed stuck trying to extract. I know there's more. Just tell me everything. But he was hanging on to those secrets. So I was stuck in that. Once I got unstuck, once I said, you know what, it's not my story to extract. I'm going to start focusing on me. I'm going to heal me. And to my husband, you go on your journey. You need to figure out why you did this. You need to figure out when you're ready to tell me the truth, because my gut is telling me there's more. Maybe I'll be here and maybe I won't. But until that moment, I'm on my own now. And that's exactly what I started doing. We never separated. We lived under, I mean, we, we had a couple just because of job situation. We did have some moments where we were not together, but it wasn't because of the marriage, right? In those times, Debbie, what I did is I focused on me. I joined book clubs. I started focusing on my health, eating differently, walking, all, my, all the power breathing that I learned over, over those times, being in the supportive group, getting into the forum and talking and sharing, not sharing my story, but sharing my wins with the PBT community and getting that feedback. Yeah, good job, Beth. And that kept me going to keep going. So from there, everything just transformed to what I'm doing today. I'm actually taking people through the journey that I went on. And it's just an amazing time of my life. My husband is completely supportive of everything that I'm doing. He's more amazed with me now than he was ever in our entire marriage. And that's a transformative marriage on the other side. And that's the part that a lot of people, I think, have a hard time understanding. How in the world can you rebuild something when someone can do something so painful and you know, I've experienced it myself. And that person is dead and gone. The old me is dead and gone. And you do, you have an opportunity. You heal yourself. And in my case, and those of you who, you know, you know my story, I rebuilt myself. My husband rebuilt himself. We came back together. We did. That was it. That was the deal breaker. That was the end of the marriage. And then we came back together as two completely different people and we married each other again. Now, never in my life would I marry someone again who was that same person. And I, I guess people don't believe that change is real and it's possible, but think about it. Everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, aren't your changes real? Your changes are real. You're moving through, you're looking at things differently. So if you can truly embrace the idea that you are real, why is it so impossible to understand that someone else can change as well? Let's talk about 
reasons versus excuses, because that could be a little murky. Yeah, reasons versus excuses. It's going to go back to what we talked about a short while ago, right? The why. Was it the bad marriage? In those years with me and my husband and the marriage counseling, it was, you know, you guys need to communicate better. You just don't have good communication. You know, that that's usually the default. That's an excuse. And this is what happens to the betrayed partner. Let's say it is communication, okay? I'm the betrayed partner. Communication is the problem. Lack of communication is what hurt me, right? I am going to make sure that I am like overly communicative. I'm going to be begging my husband to talk to me, right? Overly, not just normal conversations because my brain is now wired to think that communication is the problem. So I'm going to overcompensate for that, right? Communication, that's not it. I'm going to end up taking the responsibility. Another common excuse is lack of physical intimacy, right? A lot of the betrayers will come to me and say, Beth, my wife didn't want to have sex. What was I supposed to do? And I'm like, okay, so lack of sex is the reason why you had an affair. Yeah. I'm like, all right, so now that you're not having an affair, whose responsibility is it to make sure you're sexually satisfied so that you don't hurt your wife again? So the onus ends up on the betrayed partner again. When we stay in the land of excuses, all of those things can happen again. And if they can happen again, the betrayed partner will never feel safe. Mm -hmm. So that's why, again, the why, the real reason underneath has to be before the betrayer met the betrayed. Because all of those excuses, bad marriage, lack of sex, no communication, all of those can happen again. Midlife crisis, she wouldn't leave me alone. I've heard them all, Debbie, and I know you have too. Yeah. But all of those can happen again. And if they can happen again, the betrayed will never feel safe. It's such a dangerous setup. And this is something else too. Why do you feel it is that the betrayed is so willing, and I remember seeing this in the study, where the betrayed is willing to take the heat, you know, they are punishing themselves and struggling and suffering in silence because they don't want the betrayer to look bad. The betrayer is loved by the community, by their family, this and that. So there are so many reasons why the betrayed almost takes the the brunt. And then in what you just said, it's like they're willing to take the blame. The responsibility, right? Why is that? And then think about this too. The betrayer is willing to let that happen. Here's, mm -hmm. here's a setup for repeat betrayals right here. Think about it. Here's a betrayer who doesn't take responsibility. The betrayed takes the responsibility. There's really no consequence there except... I'm sure the betrayed is very getting very physically, mentally, emotionally sick with all of this. And there's a real recipe for nothing good that I can see. I agree. Nothing good is going to come out of that scenario, which again is why the betrayer has to really go deep and figure out the why. And that why, I say a real why is the reason, right? And it's not one aha moment, right? Again, it's a recognition of life patterns. But the real why has two components in my world. It can only have I, the letter I, or versions of it. I, me, my, myself, okay? And then it has to be from before the betrayer met the betrayer. And if we can really start working with the betrayers through those two lenses, 
then we're going to get somewhere. Then we're going to start taking, the betrayer is going to start taking the responsibility that must happen. The betrayed partner, most of the time there's some fears under there, right? There's some fears of being alone, fears of abandonment. Mine was judgment, fear of judgments. My life patterning was the perfect child. I'm going to make everybody happy by being the perfect one. I had to overcome that fear of judgment from other people in order to not take the responsibility for what my husband did, in order to say, no, I'm not buying that it was lack of sex or that it was a bad marriage. I'm not buying that. I was in the same marriage. I didn't cheat. There has to be more to it than that. Now, back then I didn't have the words, so that ended up into a huge fight. Now I see very clearly I was 100% spot on. He had to go figure out his why, and I was not going to take any responsibility for it. And it wasn't your job. And that's the thing. When we're so willing to do the job for the betrayer, we're really enabling them, and we're not helping at all. Talk to us about trust, because I know there are people listening, watching, saying, how in the world could this woman trust that man again? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is how I answer that. I would never trust that man again, ever in a million years. And what I'm referring to is that man is the old version of my husband. And I tell betrayed partners that I'm working with, I don't ever want you to trust that version of him. That version is not trustable, okay? But people go from the old version into what I call like a limbo stage. And this limbo stage is when they're practicing being the new. They're figuring out their why. They're going deep. They're figuring out those life patterns that got them into this situation, and they're trying to detach from them. So they go into this limbo stage, right? And then after limbo is the new version. Now, during the limbo stage, that's when my husband and I were both doing our own individual work. We both recognized that we each had life patterns. Now, I like to say that my husband's life pattern had the destruction capacity of the size of Jupiter, my life pattern had the destruction capacity of a boulder you might stub your toe on at a park, okay? So we had different variations of life patterns, but we both had to work on them. You said it yourself. You and your husband both transformed. So that's the limbo stage. Once both people really get to the other side and they're both healed and he's figured out his why and I've got boundaries now and I'm not that afraid person who's afraid of being alone at 60, right? That's not me anymore. So we both became new people. The new version of my husband, I trust 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because it's a different person. You know, I remember when I was moving through my healing too, someone said to me, you know the problem with you, Debbie, you're looking for the old version of him so you could like wring his neck and he's not there. Such an added layer of frustration because the trust issue that's being rebuilt it's confirming, yes, that person doesn't exist. And it's a weird thing because it's like, well, they look alike, but they look similar. But here's the thing too, and this is what I noticed, the look changes. And I'm sure you've seen this too. And I've said this to people, there's a different look. There's a different look in their eye. There's a different energetic feeling to them. Everything changes, everything. But to be willing to get to that point, it's not pretty, it's not graceful, it is the hardest and the most transformative work you'll ever do. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Oh my gosh, it has to be that there is hope, 
It has to be. That has to be the message that we let people know. If both people, first of all, there's hope for the betrayed. There's a path forward. You do not have to live in stage two, stage three. You don't have to be stuck in detective mode, trying to extract the story, taking on that responsibility. You don't have to do that. So there is absolutely another side to the life of a betrayed spouse. And to the betrayers, my gosh, if they're willing to truly do whatever it takes, their transformation is almost more enlightening than the betrayed because they, again, their destruction is the size of Jupiter. So their transformation is going to be the size of Jupiter. Everything about them changes, just like you described. The way my husband holds my hand is different than it was pre-D-Day. Everything is different. So if I had to give a message, it's find the right support and there is hope. There is hope. You can get to the other side of this. And I just want to be clear, this is not every betrayer. Some betrayers have no intention of changing. And that is true. you to just keep hoping and trying and exhausting yourself. You know, we teach this. We have to know when it's safe and in our best interest to heal and rebuild or heal and move on. And there are many cases where... And the answer, the best answer is heal yourself and move along. And then there are some times when it is absolutely in your best interest to heal yourself still, that other person, if they choose to heal themselves as well, you can come back together for a completely new, improved 2.0 version of your relationships. So Beth, I, I want to thank you so much because first of all, I wanted people to get a glimpse of what goes on within PBT and the types of coaches and practitioners that we have in there. And, you know, we have some coaches and practitioners who work with the betrayed, with the betrayer, some work with both. And the whole idea is you're coming in to heal because unless healing is deliberate and intentional, Beth said it was a couple of years. We have people coming in 10, 20, 30 plus years. We've had someone recently 40 plus years in a marriage and he was trying to, you know, finally do the work to heal. So this stuff does not go away on its own. You need the right type of support. You need the right type of community and you need practitioners like Beth to help you through it. So Beth, I want to thank you so much for your wisdom, for your expertise and for your willingness just to share your story because I know there are countless people who are just gaining the strength and the hope that they could do the same. Thank you so much. Well, Debbie, thank you. And thank you for founding PBT because it's just been, it's an amazing community. So I appreciate you. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thanks so much. Beth dropped so many powerful nuggets and her members always leave her sessions inspired and with a plan. You can work directly with Beth too. Just go to the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com and get started with our reclaim program for the betrayed or our rebuild program for the betrayer. And she can personally help you during one-on-one sessions as well as during her live classes. Here's my biggest takeaway. Betrayal is such a different type of trauma because it changes your past. When you lose a loved one, you can look back and reflect on good times, bad times, and more. With betrayal, everything you thought was one way was another. So your entire past changes, and it's true. You can't trust the person who betrayed you again, as long as that's who they continue to be. But when the betrayer takes full and complete responsibility, steps up, and has the whatever-it-takes attitude, 
then they can become someone entirely new. You still don't have to do anything with that, but it's possible and we see it all the time within our rebuild program. We have everything you need to move through this painful time. You get no benefit from staying stuck, except your story and all the pain that goes with it. So head over to thepbtinstitute.com and let's start writing a new story, one you're proud to tell because of all you've overcome. Don't wait, your health, life, freedom, and happiness is waiting. thepbtinstitute.com, I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time and here's to your breakthrough.